Hi everyone, this is episode 62 of the Get In My Garden podcast. I'm Aaron Moskowitz, and today we connect with Steve Abbott of Abbott's Family Farm in Sumner, Maine. He is a successful market gardener and market organizer, and has lots of great information to share about successfully running a farmer's market business farming only a small piece of land. Today, we will dive into the most critical components of making a market gardening business successful and profitable. Steve has built his business supplying his produce to his rural community via the market and his CSA delivery service. If you haven't already, join the newsletter for a synopsis of each podcast, that supplemental content I've been promising for a very long time, bios and info about the guest experts and their work, and then highlight posts from the Facebook group I created called Soil Balance with Microbes, Minerals, Fungi, Fertilizers, and Bugs, and it will evolve to so much more. You can still sign up on getinmygarden.com in the yellow newsletter bar, or if you are not yet a member of the Facebook group, search for the group starting with soil balance, then enter your email where it asks for it in the question when you first join. Later this week, we will have more rich soil content from Keisha Wheeler of Catalyst Bioamendments. Follow my adventures or send me an, a message on Instagram at getinmygarden or via the website getinmygarden.com with your comments and suggestions. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you about this. My beginning was at the farmer's market too. It's just such a wonderful uh, environment and community. So first of all, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? Sure. I've been farming for about 10 years now, and it's it's kind of hard to actually put a start date on it because uh, when I first started uh, working for myself, I started with uh, cutting firewood and making maple syrup. And I got into going to the farmer's market to sell maple syrup, but at a small farmer's market, there just wasn't enough money selling maple syrup to be worth my time. But of course we wanted to grow vegetables for ourselves. And that just kind of grew and grew until we kind of hit a point where we, where we said, you know, we might be able to do this uh, and make a living from it. At that point when we really started researching, figuring out, uh, you know, what we needed to do to get more efficient, to actually uh, make it well worth our time to be gardening. And so that's, um, I think that's been about seven years, six, six or seven years now. That's when we put up our high tunnel and really started looking at it truly as a livelihood. So it's just my wife and I. We've hired a little bit of help. You know, my cousin one year, my sister-in-law another year to give them a few hours of work. But it's mostly us working. And so we, uh, we manage about a third of an acre of mixed vegetables. And of course, we still do the maple syrup in the off-season. Um, and we're definitely all about being as efficient as we can on a small space. We've been very happy with doing it this way and just seeing how much we can produce without having to till up a large area. That's awesome. I, I think that people are waking up to the fact that you don't really need that much land. And would you say that most of the farmers that you know are also on very small plots? In my area, it's pretty rural out here uh, in Western Maine. And there aren't a lot of people doing what I am doing. But I would say that the few that I've met that are trying are, are often trying to do it on around an acre of land. Um, if they're trying to do a market garden style, yes. Okay. 
My first question for you is what are the considerations for someone who their dream is to go into the farmer's market business? Because I mean, it is of course different geographically, but I think there are some major similarities across the country to, you know, the American style of farmer's markets, what works and what, what should be considered. Sure. Are you thinking about if you want to get into the farmer's markets or just into market gardening in general? Well, can you talk about the the difference in those two? I guess what I would say is if you're thinking specifically about starting off with a farmer's market, uh, then there's there's definitely going to be a lot of difference based on your region of the country and what the markets are like. Uh, and I can only really speak to what it's been like for me in my area where uh, farmer's markets are very small. Um, and in order to have a successful farmer's market, you really need to have at least one, hopefully a couple of real good vegetable farmers that can kind of drive that farmer's market and, uh, you know, really bring in the customers. So, you know, if it's just honey, maple syrup, meats, you know, some value added products, if that doesn't really seem to be enough to keep a farmer's market going out here, but there are a few enough farmers that I've seen a lot of markets just kind of dwindle because they just don't have uh, a really great vegetable selection. You know, for me going into a farmer's market, I learned fairly early as I was getting into vegetables that in a lot of ways, I was going to need to be driving the customer base, you know, for the market as a whole, but definitely for myself. It's not like I could just pick out a market that was nearby that looked like it was pretty good, take a tent, you know, set up a booth and suddenly be selling vegetables. The market has some regular customers and hopefully as they get to know you, they'll start buying some things from you. But it's also about reaching out to the community, letting them know you're there, or even sometimes just patience. You know, as, as people drive by and stop in once uh, to see what the market's like and you're there, you really need to try to start building a connection with them. You know, to they need to see that there's something there to come back for. Mm -hmm. And if it's been a poor market in the past and been slow, you as a, as a beginning farmer at a market like that might be actually developing the market, not just developing your own farm. And so that's what it was like for me at my primary market where it had, uh, the market had kind of dwindled from what it used to be years ago. And that's just what I've heard from stories of what it used to be. Uh, and it was really um, me just identifying that the community seemed very supportive of farmer's market, you know, it was it's kind of a little bit of a vacation community. So there was more money available to be spent at markets. It just made sense for me to focus on that market as I wanted to develop my farm. Yeah, that's awesome. And how has that affected what you've grown? Did people change your strategy at all by their demand? Right. So, so that's definitely a big part. One of the things that you really need to have uh, going into farming, you can't just say, you know, I think I want to grow this and this and that, and that's going to work. I think especially for me, it's identifying what the market needs. So when I did start at this market, there was one other farmer. And so part of it was identifying what she didn't do or what she didn't do as well. Uh, one example of that would be salad mix. You know, the other farmer just hated uh, cutting and picking small greens. She would do lettuce heads, she would do kale, but we're not going to mess with salad mix, spinach, arugula. And so that was a great place for me to really kind of develop um, that I had great salad greens. 
And so most people who would come to the market want salad greens. But also just uh, paying attention each week and keeping good records. In the early years, I had a spreadsheet of the dollar value that I sold of each crop each week. And I would highlight the cells in the spreadsheet of anything I sold out of, just so I could go back at the end of the year and look at what I should have been able to sell more of if I'd only grown more of it. So my crop plan from year to year was definitely based on what I was selling. And how has, uh, I know you're very active on Facebook and you probably learn from a lot of other areas as well. Uh, Do you find that almost every successful farmer has to be diligently keeping records? I don't think you have to be diligently keeping records all the time. Um, We are actually doing, I think, a little bit less of it now than we used to, just because we're kind of at a point where we're in a routine and we pretty much know what to expect. And we have a very good general idea of what it's going to take to do certain things. But I definitely believe that if you you really want to improve and uh, get more efficient, get more profitable, then you need to take time to uh, at least write down the numbers that you're going to need to be able to figure out where you can improve from. Um, you know, for for any crop, at least some point, you should be figuring out an, just an example of this particular time I planted this bed of carrots, this is how long it took me to seed it. And when I harvested it, this is how long it took me to harvest it. And this is how long it took me to wash it and be able to say, all right, for this production, this is the amount of time it took. But would I recommend tracking that information for every single succession of every single crop? No, I think you're probably going overboard at that point. Gotcha. And as far as the community aspects of the farmer's market, which you started to talk about, you're in a kind of, I guess, the second home vacation location. So people kind of come there, maybe they're retired, they have more money. But still, there's always going to be a component of networking and building your customer base. Uh, Do you feel that once they got to know you and your personal story, that's kind of when it started to take off? That definitely helps a lot. Some customers I know better than others at this point. You know, I would say that a lot of my farmers market customers have become friends. You know, I, I know a little bit about their lives and what's going on in them. And they're definitely interested to, you know, know about the farm, but also know about my family and and what we're doing and where we're at. And building that connection with people for sure helps to um, keep your sales uh, consistent from year to year because you know they know you and they feel like they're committed to you and they want to see you be successful. And that keeps them coming back. Of course, it all begins with them knowing that they can reliably get what they want from you each week as well, that they, mm-hmm. can, they can count on you to produce uh, the food that they're looking for each week. And in your area, do you have a CSA that you're a part of? Yeah, so I I know that this has been done by other people as well, but when I came up with this idea, it seemed pretty um, out there to me at first. But I I deliver within my rural area. So the way my farm shares work is my customers pay in in advance. You know, there's a there's no specific amount because how much they use depends on what they order. It's a completely free choice ordering system. They just have to meet a $15 minimum order each week and they can skip a few weeks throughout the summer, but they are committed to ordering each week and they pay, you know, they pay a hundred dollars at least to start and then they work off their balance. 
and they put in an order for vegetables online. And I have a, a website I can use that tracks the inventory and I can print out reports telling me what I need to harvest and I can print out the uh, customer orders so I can pack them up and that works really well. Uh, and the way this started was I was going to a different farmer's market and uh, it was a five hour long market and it was close to an hour drive to get there. So in all, it was a, it was a long day and it was about 80 miles driving each way. And I got to thinking, you know, for this dollar value of sales and this amount of miles I'm driving and this amount of hours that I'm spending to do this, how many people would I need in my local rural community who were putting in, let's say, $15 orders every week to match that with less time commitment for me and quite possibly less miles driven for me? Mm -hmm. uh, and so from that idea, the, the first year, I certainly didn't meet those goals. I didn't have enough people. You know, I think I had a, maybe a dozen or 15 people who signed up the first year to do it. And I was still doing the markets as well. But the first year was enough of a proof of concept that now we, we deliver to 35 homes in the area. And, you know, if it's a $15 minimum, but a lot of them order significantly more than that, then that, that makes it worth my three hours driving around and, you know, 60 or 70 miles to get there. Well, that's so cool. Is that all your produce or do you have also relationships with some of your other friendly farmers? That's all my produce. Yes. Wow. That's great. So for that, you know, it's the same thing with the market where if you're doing a strict CSA where you pack a bag for them, you know, you kind of, you can lose touch with what people really want. And so in order to do this style, you really have to be paying attention to what is getting ordered and what you don't have enough of. My crop plan is, is largely based on what people want and what they keep ordering. You know, if it's, if it's something that people aren't going to order a lot of, I don't grow a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And then of course there, there are also the, the decisions of what things are most profitable for me as well. So for example, um, I'm not going to try really hard to make my season for peas very long. I know they want peas and I'm going to get in one planting of peas and they're going to get, you know, a few weeks of peas, but peas take a long time to pick and I'm not making a lot. So I, I grow them so they'll get a chance at them, but I'm also, I know there'd be greater demand if I could grow more, but it's not, they're not worth the time and effort for me to grow more. So I don't. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're growing what your customers want and you're also considering what is worth your time as far as picking and harvesting yeah. and planting and all that. But what about competition? Have you found, sounds like with your smaller farmer's market, you said there was not that much competition, but in larger markets, I'm sure that there would be. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. In, in my smaller market, there isn't that much, you know, there is, there is some between vendors and I would certainly recommend uh, doing doing what you can to always stay on good terms with the other farmers at your market. You, you know, you want to feel like there may be some friendly competition, but also that you, you have the same goal as they do. You want to make a living doing this. And it makes sense to kind of identify, you know, what maybe they do really well that you're not going to, you know, not really going to try to push, take their business away. But at the same time, you can identify what, you know, what they're not doing as well that you're going to, really go for. Thanks for listening. 
As I mentioned, the newsletter is taking shape now. It will include a synopsis of each podcast, that supplemental content I've been promising for a very long time, bios and info about the guest experts and their work, and then highlight posts from the Facebook group I created called Soil Balance with Microbes, Minerals, Fungi, Fertilizer, and Bugs. You can still sign up on getinmygarden.com in the yellow newsletter bar, or if you're not yet a member of the Facebook group, search for the group starting with Soil Balance in the title, then enter your email where it asks in the questions section when you first join. Follow my adventures on Instagram at getinmygarden. Send me a message there or on my website, getinmygarden.com. I love hearing suggestions and learning about your projects, hobbies, and interests. With the new format of shorter episodes, later this week we will have another episode with rich soil content from Keisha Wheeler of Catalyst Bio Amendments, and later in the month we dig deeper into some of the tips and methods Steve Abbott has learned while building his market gardening business from nothing.